Hello, I'm Philip Clodio, and you're listening to the Hashed Health Podcast. This show is dedicated to everything healthcare and blockchain related. Here at Hashed Health, we have begun this incredible journey of developing blockchain solutions for healthcare. And we have the privilege of being able to talk with amazing people about this subject every single day. The goal of this show is to include you in these conversations. Join us as we host meetups, attend conferences, and conduct interviews with our friends and other industry thought leaders. You can find more content like this at hashedhealth.com. That's www.hashedhealth.com or connect with us on Twitter at hashedhealth. Here we go. It's a busy time of year, so thank you for spending some of it with us. It's this valuable social calendar real estate. Um, we'll get you. We'll get everyone back to, uh, to to networking and socializing in a second. But we've got a short program and a couple of announcements. So um, appreciate you being here. I think most people found the beer. We put it outside tonight. It's, it makes for a whole lot easier cleanup. Um, and, uh, you know, as our Nashville blockchain meetup, which a year and a bit ago had 10 members, um, approaches 600 people, it's pretty remarkable to think that the, that the strides that Nashville is making in, the, in, this, in this space. And I'm glad that uh, uh, just in, in the exuberance of Bitcoin's up, we can sort of take a, take a step aside to talk about the, uh, the, the, the social good in all of this because there's a lot of it, and I think a lot of the gains made in crypto will, will find their way to sort of social and just causes. So a um, couple of announcements. Uh, first, as always, we thank um, our sponsors. Uh, Frost Brown Todd continues to sponsor. Uh, BTC Media is a sponsor, and you will all see that there are a couple of editions of uh, Distributed Magazine and Why Bitcoin. Um, if you don't take one, I'm going to chase after you and take them because we just moved offices and I'm not moving them. <laughs> but uh, no, they they are great, great reading, and also uh, particularly the uh, the first uh, distributed magazine is a really good primer to blockchain that you can. Uh, it would have been good before Thanksgiving dinner, but uh, it, it it'll be good before before these the upcoming holiday dinners as well. Um, one, and, and this group has responded marvelously to it, but uh, Hashed Health is growing. We are hiring a community manager to manage events like this across the, like not only in Nashville, but across the globe. Uh, so in person and the online communities. Um, and we are, we're excited. We want it to, we want it to grow here. We want, we've sort of reached a tipping point where it's going to be worth um, applying some resources to just the, the massive volume of interest that is, uh, that is out there. So um, thanks for your response so far. Keep it going. We've, we've got, we'll keep it open for another few days, and we've got some strong candidates, some of whom are here. So um, that said, let me bring uh, John Wagster up. Um, he's going to give us a quick update on the Tennessee Blockchain Alliance. Um, uh, uh, well, I'll... I'll let you talk about it. 
Is that the best introduction I can get? <laughs> <laughs> I can go on and on. But let's I mean, uh, I can make myself better, sound better than you can, I'm sure. <laughs> no. But, you know, we started out doing this with Hash Health and BTC Media and because they were the only guys in town doing blockchain. And now it's actually a privilege to stand with Giles because Hash has made a name. And we, we're here all the time. We're kind of in this group. So oh, it's the meetup group. But, you know, Nashville is becoming a bit of a hub. And I've been saying that for five or six months, but it's really true. Uh, I'm not a prophet, but we are doing things in blockchain that a lot of other jurisdictions and places aren't. Uh, so it's exciting to be here. Uh, Hash does a great job. Thank you for hosting here. We're going to start finding new hosting locations. So in the future, you're going to have to be help. Uh, you're going to have to be patient and uh, and follow us wherever we end up because we're going to have some other locations. A lot of people want to host uh, this event because it's a cool thing and we, because we attract so many people. Uh, the Tennessee Blockchain Alliance is born out of this sort of this idea that Nashville is becoming a hub. And it's a bit much to say we're a hub now, but we have all the things necessary to become a real hub for blockchain. Um, we've been active, you know, for uh, several years, and particularly this year we've ramped up. The Blockchain Alliance is a membership-based group, uh, so you do have to pay to belong. You don't have to pay to participate. Uh, you can go to TennesseeBlockchainAlliance.org to find out more, and if you want to join or if you want to find out, get more information, kind of see what we do, there's advocacy pieces on there, and you'll get a lot more information. Um, we advocate for the adoption of blockchain-friendly legislation and laws and policies in the state of Tennessee. Um, that means everything from making sure the state acknowledges a smart contract as a legally binding instrument to encouraging the state to establish uh, a, a development sandbox, not just for state actors, but for other private entities to get it who are interested in blockchain technology who can make use of it. Um, we advocate for the reasonable regulation of cryptocurrencies. Uh, our firm has been involved in, uh, in establishing more than 20 cryptocurrencies now in ICOs and counting, uh, some from Nashville, many from uh, around the world. Again, signifying the fact that, we, that Tennessee is sort of a, becoming a blockchain space. Um, the Uniform Laws Commission of the U.S., uh, of the, Member, all states have members uh, who belong to the Uniform Laws Commission. They have come out with a recommendation on the way they think uh, blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies in particular ought to be regulated. We're looking at that. We're working with the State Department of Insurance, Department of Health, different entities to uh, see what their interests are. We're in our infancy. Um, we are a membership-based organization, so you have to pay to play. Uh, but we're here to stay, uh, and we want to send the message that Tennessee is open for business in blockchain. It's evidenced by the fact that you guys, you guys are here. It's not just the free beer, though that's a factor. Um, so if you want more, for him, more information, TennesseeBlockchainAlliance.org, or you can find me after we quit talking up here. Thanks, Charles. Uh, I'll, I'll add one, one more thank you to the list. Um, uh, Honky Tonk Brewing Company has continued to sponsor this um, by uh, providing beer at rates that we could not, could not find or, or do anywhere else. So uh, they've been very kind and, and, and supporting of this. So um, I appreciate that. So next, I want to introduce uh, one, of, one of the uh, people that sort of... It, fits the dialogue that we have tonight really well. Um, when we talk about Nashville becoming a hub and Nashville uh, sort of drawing people to, to, to what we're doing here, um, our colleague at Hashed Health, Kenneth Ng, um, 
was in New York a few months ago, and now he's a Nashville resident. So he's a still, still a little shocked and still, uh, um, I don't know why it's him complaining about the cold weather, but uh, I, blood thins quickly. But I'm going to let him introduce the company that he was working on before he came to Hashed Health and continues to operate as, as, uh, as, as part of what, he, what, he, what he's doing separate from Hashed Health. And, uh, and then talk a little bit about the social platforms and social good that blockchain uh, is enabling. So I'll finish up at the end, but uh, introduce Kenneth. Hi, everybody. You guys doing well? Everyone's happy. It's cold. It is cold. Like, it's almost freezing. It's 35 degrees. 32 is freezing, right? So we're almost there. Not, I think it's fair to be cold. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I moved here uh, from New York City uh, two months ago. The end of September is when I moved here. Um, and I, I love Nashville. It's been great. Really enjoy it. Um, but it is cold. Um, I'm just going to keep going back to that. I, I, I keep getting made fun of for saying that it's cold. Um, what? Well, I mean, you know, everything is relative, right? It was like 70 degrees last week. It's not, it's not fair. I have to wear a jacket now. Um, I don't really understand. But so yeah, I'm, I'm here to talk about blockchain or social good. And I think it's, it's, it's very fitting. Um, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin have been making really a, a name for themselves uh, because of the price. Um, but when, I, when we first started EduDAO, this is September of 2016 is when we first started working EduDAO. Um, Ether was $10. And we're like, you know, this is a great project. Like, you know, Ethereum is never going to hit crazy prices. It's going to be nice and stable so that, you know, if we're working on the platform, it makes sense. Um, and then we thought, you know, when prices went up, like, that's cool. Uh, but gas prices, those will never go up, right? And now we have CryptoKitties from last week crashing the Ethereum network. So I was wrong. But um, I think the, the principle still remains the same. And I think, you know, everything that we're doing um, focuses on the protocol and focuses on the platform itself, the technology being used for um, what it's supposed to be used for, as opposed to, you know, maxing on my 401k and then you know, setting a nice retirement fund for when I'm 30. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I'll begin. Um, EduDAO uh, is, is a nonprofit. Uh, we're in the middle of getting our 501c3. Uh, we've applied to the IRS, uh, fully incorporated. We incorporated in the state of New York in February. So it's been, it's been a long process. The incorporation was really easy to be designated as a not-for-profit. But to get the 501c this has been really, really hard because apparently no one understands blockchain yet. And then they see cryptocurrency and they immediately think this is a scam or, or you guys are funneling drugs through a nonprofit. Uh, but I promise we're not doing that. Uh, we're trying to attain equitable education for all. Um, that's really our mission, and, and that's why we started it. So I'm from New York City, born and raised. I went to high school in the Bronx. I went to Bronx Science, for those of you who know New York City high schools. No? Yes? Uh, so it's a public school. Um, but you know, I was lucky to have placed into a, uh, I, I guess you would call it a magnet school, um, but you take an exam in eighth grade, kind of similar to the SATs, uh, which I did take in the seventh grade. Uh, but it, so we went to a, 
obviously a, a nerdy school, uh, a bunch of really smart kids. And next door to Bronx Science is DeWitt Clinton. And at the time, I uh, was going through a lot of stuff. Um, we didn't have a track or we actually had no, we had one gym and that's really it. Uh, so we would sneak into their track, which was awesome. They have really nice track, football field, I guess, um, which isn't normal for New York City. Um, but their school also had metal detectors at every entrance. Um, every window was barred up. So for us, you know, we were able to go out on our free periods, um, walk and travel, take the subway, go to the city if we wanted to during our free periods. Um, but they did not have that. Uh, you know, you were locked in the school, can't really go in and out. And to be a student, you know, being in this environment, sitting in the classroom through barred, looking out through barred windows to see, you know, these kids just doing whatever they wanted. Uh, you know, you can't really feel like you have the same worth, like you're not of the same caliber of student. Um, having to go through this every day, it's more like a prison than it is actually an educational institution. Um, so, you know, with that, I'll kick it off. Um, I think this quote by Nelson Mandela is, is really uh, poignant with, with what, you know, what we're doing at EduDAO, and that education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world because it really does begin with education at a young age, um, especially in lower socioeconomic uh, conditions. You know, you don't, you don't really have the same kind of um, upbringing and, and the same nurturing as you would in, uh, say, a nicer neighborhood with, you know, this, this educational barrier, right? Um, so I think there's, oh, I guess we can introduce the team later. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, education is a really, I think, interesting topic in terms of, you know, seeing how you can prosper through, you know, the right teachers or the right resources. Um, and, that, and that's kind of how we started and, and what we did with, with EduDAO. Um, but there's a team. It was started by Eugene, me, and Mike Maloney, who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight. Um, so Eugene and I were colleagues at a middle market consulting firm, and across the street was Mike Maloney, who uh, was at EY. So the three of us were in consulting firms, um, you know, working in financial services. Uh, all of us were doing blockchain projects. Uh, from there, kind of understanding where financial services was looking in the blockchain in 2015, how much money was being thrown into it. And the whole hype was about like, how do we take this and make more money, right? How do we take Ethereum and really maximize everything we're doing so that big banks can make more money, which, you know, if, to be fair, really helped get um, blockchain, Ethereum, Bitcoin really in uh, the general public's eyes, right? To keep, you know, how many people here own Bitcoin? I guess you don't have to raise your hand. It's anonymous. Ethereum. Anyone buy Ether? Cool. Yeah. So in, in 2015, we did not have a lot of people in Ethereum, right? We had a solid amount, but then the DAO happened, um, which is where we got our name. So after the DAO crash, you know, we looked through the code, um, but the, the, the tech itself is still extremely promising, right? Um, does everyone here know what the DAO is or what it was? So the DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, what they did was in a span of three weeks, pretty much raised $150 million. Um, and what it was, was, you know, the idea that you can run a headless organization run by the people, 
right? You buy this token and this token gives you a stake in the company. Um, so think about it that way, right? Anyone who has a token has a fair say in, in this company that we all run together. And the DAO was meant to be kind of like a, a major VC fund, right? You're able to fund projects together based on the amount of token that you have. You put it in. And then the idea was that you, after you put money in, you're going to get an investment. Um, and this is before all the ICO talk. This is, this is really early in. So someone pointed out, a uh, Cornell professor pointed out that there was a flaw in the code and said that this could be used maliciously, right? This one, I think it's three lines of code that says basically, if you, if you exploited this, you could send all the money to one wallet and endlessly send all the tokens there and that you can't stop it. It's a recursive call. And the guys who are at the head who created the DAO said, don't worry about it, man. That's crazy. Who'd use, who'd use something so great for a bad thing? Nefarious activity? What? Uh, three days later, it happened, stole $150 million, and it was locked. And then, then Ether or Ethereum split into Ethereum Classic. It was a big, big battle about centralization and stuff. It was awesome. Read about it. So we took that. We took bad code, and we rewrote it because that's, you know, history repeats itself. Um, so we took it and, and, you know, we really tried to fix it and we tried to uh, build it from the ground up because the idea behind it is great, right? To be able to fund projects uh, on a low cost platform like Ethereum, to be able to have a decentralized system to get people voting on things and, and funding projects, like, it's amazing. That's like taking Kickstarter and making it cheap or free. So we did that. Um, so our, our mission was really to find a super low cost and fully, account fully accountable model for fundraising. And that's where we came up with kind of bridging education with the DAO, um, EduDAO. Um, so fundraising is, is really interesting in New York City because you can't really just give money to a school. Um, you have to kind of give it to a foundation or institution, and very few schools have that. Um, a lot of schools, you can, you can give objects. You can donate uh, textbooks. You can donate chairs. You can donate you know, tangible objects. But you can't give money. So the way around that is to give money to another organization and have them donate the, pro the products to the school. Right? So there's, there's uh, Donors Choose. Has anyone ever heard of Donors Choose? Yeah, cool. So Donors Choose is pretty awesome. They are a not-for-profit that you know will handle all the middleman activity. You give them, you give them the money. They'll buy it. They'll do all the procurement, and they'll donate it to the school. Five hundred one c three, great cause. The only thing with that is that they take a huge cut of every single donation, right? Huge operation costs because if you think about it, you have to hire the people to manage all the proposals that come in from the schools. You have to have people going out and actually procuring the objects and sending it to the school, right? So I think they take, um, I think the last time I checked was 13%, uh, which is a huge, huge cut, right? If you go through Kickstarter, it's, it's cheaper, but it's not a 501c3, uh, so it's not a not-for-profit, and they'll take 5%. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, a huge kind of, um, huge amount of money taken away from students in going through kind of these third-party uh, applications. 
So what we sought to do is really, you know, open that up, make it fully accountable, make it fully transparent, and at the same time, source it from the school itself, right? So the people deciding what they need is not necessarily in line with what the school actually needs, right? Who best can tell you what a school needs than other than the students and the teachers, right? Those are the ones that we're getting the information from. Those are the ones who are there every single day saying, you know, it's not that we need more iPads. iPads won't help us because our textbooks are outdated or these tables are, are you know, broken. There's writing all over it. Um, or there's also, in 2017, there are still schools without air conditioning, right? That's huge. You can have as many iPads as you want, but if you can't function inside of a classroom with air conditioning or a heater when it's really cold outside, then you're not getting a proper education. Like these, are, these are fundamental issues that aren't solved from donors that aren't in the school because you would never know. Um, and additionally, you know, it, it's not just giving money and giving resources, it's also being able to build a community around you know, these, these, uh, these ideas, right? Um, so, you know, blockchain is really good for disintermediating um, and really enhancing um, the, the access to resources. But you know, one thing it doesn't do is bring people together physically, right? And, and it's kind of counterintuitive because you're using a digital platform that decentralizes to bring people to closer together. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the beauty of the blockchain as well. You know, as, as we kind of um, use technology to disintermediate, we're also bridging people together in a different manner, um, kind of in a more intimate way as well. So what we created was a, uh, a donation platform or a crowdfunding platform that takes half a percent as opposed to 5%, so 0.5%, so 50 cents for every $100, right? And we do that through the Ethereum platform or Ethereum protocol. Um, <clears throat> so that's just one part of what EdgeDAO does. And we think, you know, it, it's, it's really not the funding that's the issue. It's, the, it's everything around it. It's the whole ecosystem of getting people together and, and empowering students um, of lower socioeconomic classes to get them excited and to get them uh, to be agents of change, right? So using fundraising and using funding as the central um, goal, uh, we created five pillars. So it's the fundraising, or yeah, the funding platform, uh, the hackathons, um, having local meetups kind of like this uh, with students, parents, teachers, anyone concerned about education, um, volunteering and storytelling. And the reason why you know, the other aspects are kind of important is because you want to have the sourcing and the, and the empowerment and the, and the change coming from inside, right? You can throw money at a problem. You can give them all the resources they can ever want, but to have them actually use it for good and have them work with other schools and other students. Um, so I'll give an example. We have a school in Brooklyn that wanted to do a uh, rock climbing team kind of weird. I don't know if you guys know Brooklyn, but there's no boulders to be climbing in Brooklyn uh, or anywhere in New York City, really. Um, so they, want, they wanted a rock climbing team, which is awesome because no one in Brooklyn is ever going to give you a rock big enough to climb. But that's what they wanted. And this is something that they found a passion together, just 
10 kids from the project saying, this looks awesome. We saw it on TV. Um, and there's a place in upstate New York, you know, kind of like a 30 minute drive from here that we can be a part of, right? We can actually have a rock climbing team. So we sort of are, are helping them to raise the money to have this rock climbing team. Um, but the big thing is rallying everyone else around them, right? The parents don't even know what that is. They didn't even know rock climbing was a thing. Um, but because they know that their kids want to be a part of it, that's a whole different conversation because now they're outside of school. They're not, you know, staying in their, I guess, home environment. They're not, isn't necessarily conducive to, uh, being a good student, uh, or there are a lot of, uh, I guess, negative, um, influences around. So keeping them outside, keeping them in a school environment with teachers, with other students, um, and keeping them encouraged, right? So that's part of the, the community um, aspect of uh, Edge It Out and everything that we're doing and all the money that we're raising. So another thing is the storytelling, right? There's, there's a lot to be said from their perspective, not just from me. Like I can tell you about projects that we're funding and things that we're doing, but it's really coming from the students and hearing from them what impact it has been made in their lives because of this, hearing from the teachers to say that, you know, they're excited to actually come to school now, um, to hear from the parents to say that, you know, there's other things to do outside of coming home and playing video games or, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd. But it's also volunteering, right? To get them to work with other organizations, other nonprofits, um, to rally them all around one single cause or to rally around the idea that you know there's more than just what's immediately in front of us, to work with other schools and other boroughs. And a borough is a, kind of like a neighborhood. If you guys don't know, New York City has five boroughs, uh, Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island, but no one really talks about Staten Island. Um, it's a little dig, New York dig. Uh, but you know, it, it's working with everyone else around, because when you are in Staten Island, you don't really leave. Same thing with the Bronx. When you're in the Bronx, you don't really leave the Bronx. But all the resources and all the good stuff, you know, is happening in Brooklyn. It's happening in Manhattan. Um, and here's another example of that. We're working with the Knowledge House, which is a nonprofit that uh, basically hosts free coding camps in the Bronx. Um, so it's completely free, but they do look at income to make sure that you qualify for a free coding camp. But even after going through the camp, they don't have the same resources as someone else who would have paid you know, $20,000 for coding camp in Manhattan because Facebook won't go up there. Google won't go up there. They'll happily give resources, happily give and donate stuff, but they won't go up there to have interview days. They don't do interview prep. Um, so we're helping them fund an innovation lab. Facebook has given VR equipment, but no one has taught them how to use it. So we're helping fund that uh, with a local college as well. And we've done hackathons where you know, we're helping inspire these kids to continue doing um, more of what they're doing. And it's not a hackathon in the traditional sense of you know, actually coding and, and solving for, um, I guess, issues that are sponsored. It's, it's more of an ideation hackathon. So creating, um, creating ideas to solve for fundamental issues in your neighborhood. So 
using that and leveraging corporate sponsors to help fund these activities uh, has been has, has been pretty cool. Um, seeing kids who really want to make a difference in their neighborhood. So all five of these pillars have been instrumental to our growth at Edge Dow. Um, so, boom. I got five more minutes. All right, well, our plan is to raise a billion dollars on the platform. Um, <laughs> this is all the stuff I was talking about. I just forgot to press, press the button. We work with a bunch of uh, partners in New York City. Um, here's a couple of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, like we, we realize that you know, we can't do it alone, and it's not money that, that is the issue here. The issue is the lack of resources, the lack of availability, um, lack of access, and the lack of motivation, right? And all, all of that gets lost because you, know, you, you kind of lose sight of where you are um, because you don't leave your, your borough um, and you don't leave your immediate neighborhood very often. Um, so what we want to do is rally everyone around that. Um, and that's, that's not just in the immediate neighborhood, you know, it's also getting everyone else around. Let's see what else have we done. Funding, blockchain. You guys know why blockchain is cool? It's, it's nice. It's fast. Smart contracts uh, allow for the foregoing of administrators or administrative staff. So everything is super cheap. Our platform costs uh, half a percent. I got more time. So half a percent instead of 5%. Talk a bit about how the blockchain plays into oh, yeah, why blockchain. Edgidow is, all, you know, as, as the Nashville blockchain in, uh, meetup, we're interested in that part too. Yeah, the blockchain part is really cool because uh, we don't need people on the phone. We don't need people procuring things. The smart contracts are actually encoded so that once a proposal goes up, we know exactly where the money is going to. We know exactly where the objects are going to. We know the services, the goods, we know where they're going to, and everything is held in escrow until the objects are sent, until the services have been fulfilled, and until the money has been raised. So that automates the whole process. This also allows for donations to happen immediately, right? So you can see everything in terms of where the money goes. There's no, you know, the principal paying their, their cousin for fixing the windows and never fixing the windows. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, so there's full uh, community governance in, in that sense. Uh, that means that, you know, you're not going to have a bunch of wealthy kids saying, guys, we need some more TVs and some Xboxes. That's not going to happen. The community is going to say, no, this is not a, a good project to fund. There are better things to give money to. Um, what else have we done? Yeah, I mean, so, yes, question? Yeah, no, of course. So, uh, one of the most unsatisfying things about getting into a charity is you never get to see where the money goes. Yes, this is the transparency factor of you can see, you can see every single step of where the money is, and because it's a smart contract held in escrow, you know that the money is held, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the way we, we, we've done it is that, um, so we just finished with a uh, UX UI workshop to make sure that the logic of each proposal makes sense. And from there, actually on each page for the proposal, you can see where the money is. And you can see in the smart contract where they go, where uh, each, you know, each ether goes. So also got to mention that donations are, we're working with an exchange right now that makes all the, 
all the donations get transferred to Ether. And since it, or since we will have 501c3, there's no transaction fee, which means that the money will go through, get transferred to Ether. And if there's any excess, it goes back to the students or it goes back as a token to the donator or the donor, sorry, the donor. Um, and that can be refunneled into another proposal. Yeah, so you'll see exactly where it is and you'll see even the code of where it's programmed to go to. So there's no floating. No, no floating money. No under the table transactions, yes. 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 No, no, you're given dollars, U.S. dollars. Yeah. So um, all that happens in the back, right? That all happens uh, with the exchange and with our servers. So. Pretty much the school never encounters the, they never get a hold of the ether, right? They have a wallet so that they can, if they need to. It's a website, yeah. Yeah, everything is on a website. So I guess the exchange rate wouldn't matter because it's, it's still going to go back to U.S. dollars. And uh, the way we have the half a percent, it covers all costs, including if uh, there's a huge jump in prices. So if it were to go from 500 or what is it, 430 right now, uh, drop to 200, that half a percent would cover that kind of cost. And then we would have enough to kind of backfill in U.S. dollars how much was missing in the exchange. But we haven't seen it drop that much, so... It should be fine. And also covers gas prices as well. Yes. Do you actually have a plan for scaling this enterprise? Yeah. So the way this is built, um, we have the code, right? So it's open source. Um, once this gets larger, right now, I think we're, we're only holding uh, $10,000 in escrow. Um, the next iteration, is we're going to do uh, 10 projects up to $100,000. Um, in terms of scaling, I mean, it will depend on the Ethereum network, but there's decentralized governance. So the board of directors will be decentralized and it will be kind of like a, a local grassroots movement of, you know, people in that neighborhood who have contributed or have, have projects themselves say, you know, this is worthy of donation. Yes. So right now it's in New York City. Uh, we're mainly working in the Bronx, but um, we're also working in Pittsburgh or starting in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, we, we work with consensus, uh, on their blockchain for social impact coalition. Uh, we help them kind of spearhead that. Uh, so that's been going. Um, so we work also with the UN, uh, the world bank organization. Um, our hope is to be completely global, global and, and have truly a billion dollars on the platform. Um, but that will begin, you know, that will, it'll take steps, you know, it's not, not leaping over there, but uh, eventually. Yes, Can you talk? Oh, sorry, you, you, you mentioned the UN, and I know you've been on a lot of really cool panels with other platforms using blockchain in, in the sort of social sphere. Can you talk about some of those pro projects that, that you've 
seen and been a part of? Yes. Great question. So, um, you know, aside from the whole money factor of, uh, Bitcoin, blockchain. Uh, there's also a lot of really cool stuff that the UN is doing in terms of um, refugee identity. Um, there's a lot of supply chain kind of um, transparency projects to really get, uh, I guess, proper uh, medical equipment to the place that needed most. It also expedites the process. So once um, a certain level of toxicity has been reached in water, uh, fresh water is sent there. Um, so there's a lot of really cool projects that are on the horizon for the UN. Um, additionally, you know, there's, um, what else is really cool that I like? There's also free, uh, slave free trade. Um, they are doing kind of a, a supply chain track and trace to make sure that, you know, no products that are created, um, have been made from slave labor or child labor. Um, so kind of like a, a nice tag so you can trace the provenance of each product to make sure, you know, this hasn't been, uh, contributed by slave trade. Ben, you had a question there. Okay. So, um, our platform is built off Ethereum. Um, so we utilize smart contracts written, um, to, uh, so we have a kind of like a boilerplate. Um, smart contract. And so once a proposal is put up and has been voted uh, to be feasible and, and uh, an acceptable solution, um, it actually ports into the smart contract to know exactly where to buy it. So the students themselves will actually say, we want to buy it from this local mom and pop shop that have, has been working with us, as opposed to saying, oh, we're just going to buy it from Best Buy, right? To source it from the community, uh, that gives it you know a nice empowerment of Right, right. Yes, so the invoices will be sent out and that's how we actually uh, verify that products have been received, right? Invoices have to go back and forth and they both have to be accepted and that will actually verify the money uh, can go through. Great question. Any more? Yes? So there's no, I guess the idea is that there's not real, there wouldn't be the idea of a uh, non-participation because we're dealing really in ether. We're not dealing in tokens. Um, so inherently in that there's, there is the uh, foregoing of kind of perverse incentives. There's no, there's no idea that, you know, I'm just going to hold it and wait for an, our investment to increase and then cash out because there's no, there's no cashing out. It's just Ethereum. You're just in. No. So none of the proposals will be held for a year. That's, that's, they're not really time-locked. Pardon? 
I'm, I'm not holding the money. Right, the DAO would be holding it, right. So our proposals, we're seeing that they're actually being funded within, they're being pretty much fulfilled within two weeks. So if, if the claim is that, you know, Ether has gone up so much in the, net, in the last two weeks that, you know, I need to declare um, kind of capital gains on it, I mean, I guess, but the money kind of goes back to you in the form of Ether or in the form of a voting token so that you can use it again. Right, but it can re. It, it's the idea is that you're reinvesting it. Right. That would be good. We need the. Yeah, no, for sure it is. It is, and and uh, that. But I think that the the answer there is that the the playground that you just funded the price didn't change, so the delta between what you funded is coming back to you in token that you can reinvest in the platform. Right. You cannot cash this out. It's but not either that you get. You, to you may take still out. miss out on that on that capital gain. Uh, that that the, the the tax benefit of that 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 gain. But I, 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 yeah, that, that that's a bigger question. How you get around that? Question from you, and then an announcement from John Barrett, and then we'll uh, we'll wind down. Yes. So we have we have a legal counsel. Um, so she is a nonprofit lawyer, uh, and we are relying on consensus for our full legal team. Um, so, yes and no. We have an outsourced legal team and legal counsel. We have one. We have a legal counsel on board, um, and we have a legal team that we rely on. That we do not, uh, but yes, the answer is yes. We do have one. Well, let's let's wrap that up. Thank you, Kenny. Um, just uh, and thank you, guys. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna turn it over to uh, John Barrett. He's got a couple of quick announcements. Thank you, sir. Just a couple of quick announcements. Man, I wish I was as articulate as that guy when I was his age. That was phenomenal presentation. I wish we had more time. Maybe, maybe I could get you on the show sometime. Uh, I'm the host of Bitcoins and Gravy, a popular podcast on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network owned by BTC Media, who's right here in Nashville. Um, just three quick announcements. We have a bit lunch every month on a Wednesday. This next is coming Wednesday, one o'clock. It's over by the Gulch. You can find it um, by going to Nashville Bitcoin Meetup, Nashville Bitcoin or Nashville Bit Lunch. So that's one thing. Please, if you'd like to be on an email list, just come up to me, give me a piece of paper with your name and email address on it or your business card. The second announcement is beginning in 2018, we're going to have this Bitcoins and Beer in East Nashville um, every Tuesday night from, let's see what it says here, uh, 6 to 9 at the Village Pub and Beer Garden, which is over there in Riverside Village. So uh, remember that coming up every Tuesday. And then the last thing is if there's anybody here who would like to own some Bitcoin, but they do not own any Bitcoin, I would be happy to set them up with a Bitcoin wallet on your smartphone right now tonight and send you a little bit of Bitcoin. Back to this man here. Um, I've been waiting for this night for social to focus on social good for a long time. And so I work in government. I report to the COO and I'm on a personal mission to see how we can integrate any sort of blockchain applications into government operations to make your tax dollars work more efficiently. 
And so if anybody has any ideas in the realm of blockchain working in government, me and a small group of people that are interested in the state um, are actively looking into this. So please, my, again, my name is Ben. You can come reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. I think that's a segue into uh, the Tennessee Blockchain Alliance there. I think we can support those efforts. Um, tall, tall list. <laughs> um, everybody, thank you. Uh, thanks to uh, Frost Brown Todd. Thanks to BTC Media. Thanks to Hashed Health. And thanks to Stoked, who was kind enough to let us host here, even though we are no longer tenants here. So uh, we, we, I, I think I mentioned in the email, we've moved our office over to the WeWork space in East Nashville. We'll probably be hosting some of these meetups there as our move coincided with WeWork purchasing the platform that is uh, meetup.com. So we have that. And um, you know, with that, please stay, drink some beer. Please don't leave without taking some of those magazines because they're not going home with me. And we will do this again. So thank you all. You've been listening to the Hash Podcast presented by Hashed Health. Find more content like this at hashedhealth.com or come to our next meetup and join our growing community of blockchain professionals and enthusiasts. Learn more at hashedhealth.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.